0: You know, a dream is like a river, ever-changing as it flows, and a dreamer's just a vessel that must follow where it goes. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, I am Maxwell Ivy, known around the world as The Blind Blogger, and this is another episode of What's Your Excuse? where I interview people to help you overcome the excuses that are holding you back. And you can find it at TheBlindBlogger.net. I'm also on Alexa and Google. You can just ask it to play What's Your Excuse? And uh, also, you can visit my podcast and other podcasts hosted by people with disabilities at wyexcuse.com. And I do hope that you also check out our sponsor, Blueberry.com, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. As they like to say, when they started, they couldn't afford to eat. They they provide both financial and technical support to the network. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, those guys will be the best place to start to get off on a good foot. So as y'all have already heard, I've got a guest with me and her name is Linda York. I think I'm saying that wrong, but I'll go with that. And uh she is a woman who has uh overcome a lot of personal trauma and tragedy and, and depression. Um we're gonna get into I I learned a I learned a new word, but I'm probably gonna say it wrong called kinjusy or Kenjuchi, which is a form of Japanese art. We're gonna talk about that because it has to do with her thoughts on being broken. And uh you can visit her website at uh hope for healing foundation.org or com, and i just love what she has to talk about as far as offering people a ladder so they can climb out of those deep dark holes that they find themselves in so uh we're going to talk to linda here in a little bit linda i just want to thank
1: you for coming on what's your excuse Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I love this whole podcast, this idea of what's your excuse and helping people be able to overcome their excuses to be able to achieve great things. And you know, I think a lot of people don't even recognize that they're making excuses. And by having this in the title, it makes you kind of ask yourself, do I? have an excuse am i making an excuse so well done for what you're doing
0: you know i appreciate that i have talked to a few people who work in in this in this field who have thought maybe the what's your excuse thing doesn't really recognize uh the true uh trauma strange stress that people are going through so i'm glad to hear that we at least started off on the right note um <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to mention a couple of the things that you've had to overcome after I asked this question, but, and I think that you can probably use them in, in terms of how you answer the question. But whenever I, whenever I hear somebody's story and I think, wow, just how do you survive one of those things, much less four or five or six of them? I just want to know, how do you do it? How did you, how did you keep going until you were able to get the, the help that you, that you needed for the event your sister put on? How do you do that?
1: That is an excellent question. And that question is going to make ever so much more sense to our listeners after I explain my story. And you will find that I did not do a fabulous job at handling things, <clears throat> one right after another. So um, I like to explain my story, if, if you're familiar with the Japanese art form called Kintsuji. It is where they take broken pottery and then they repair it using this mixture of lacquer and gold dust. And it creates something that is unique and beautiful, and it's stronger than it was before it was broken. And it transforms from broken to beautiful. And my story is a story of broken to beautiful. And there are different types of broken. Say, for example, you're crossing the street, accidentally drop your cell phone, the screen cracks, and you think, oh, dang it, I broke my phone. And then you might just pick it up and dust it off and keep on using it because it still works. So for me, my basic brokenness was lifelong feelings that I'm not good enough. I don't matter. In fact, I am invisible. I felt broken. And yet I can still function. I can still live my life just fine. Well, there's another level of broken. Say you're crossing the street, accidentally drop your cell phone, and then a truck runs it over. So then we have a different type of a situation where it's not just broken, it's crushed and it doesn't work very well. And for me, being crushed was struggling with debilitating depression. And social anxiety, it was as if my my comfort zone absolutely collapsed, and I I didn't feel safe, not anywhere, not with anyone, and I couldn't feel happy regardless of what the circumstances were, and it was very very frustrating. And some people will ask, well, well, what was it that that crushed you? What was that truck that ran you over? And um, we all have challenges and trials in our lives, as you well know, Max. And um, I'm no exception. I've dealt with poverty and I've dealt with illness and I've dealt with trauma. Uh, For example, I once um, had my mouth wired shut for six weeks so that my broken jaw could heal um, properly. And during that time, I I couldn't eat. I couldn't speak. um, And I, I, I couldn't. The only sustenance I could get was what I could set through a straw. And I have also survived a catastrophic engine failure in a small two-person airplane. We were um, flying along, all of a sudden there's this big explosion sound and then smoke starts pouring out of the cowling and oil is oozing at my feet and the plane is just shaking so violently. I thought pieces were going to start falling off the plane and we were going to plummet to the ground and it was really scary and it was obvious that we weren't going to make it to a runway. Um, We had to search the ground and, and, and try to find a place we could land that wouldn't kill us or hopefully not damage people and property down there. And it was a pretty scary situation. I've also arrived at the scene of a motorcycle accident in time to see my son's broken body lying in the middle of an intersection surrounded by flashing lights and emergency personnel. And that's an image that I will never forget. And, um... Once I took my beautiful teenage daughter in for some outpatient surgery and it was just a a simple cutting, cauterizing procedure uh, to help with some female issues she was having that was done. And the doctor said, okay, take her home, let her get some rest. Um, A little bleeding is normal, but just watch for blood clots and infections. So I took her home, I put her to bed and then, you know, every half hour or so, I just tiptoe into her room, peek, see how she's doing. She was sleeping peacefully. Well, after several hours had passed, I got a text and I'm in the kitchen, she's in her room and she just said, mom, will you come to my room? I need to show you something. So I, I walked into her room. I said, hey, you're awake. How you doing? And she didn't answer me with words. Instead, she threw off her covers and she was soaked in blood from her chest all the way down to her feet. And there are not words adequate to describe the panic and the terror that I felt, coupled with horrible guilt. because. I, I'd been checking on her the whole time and I thought she was okay. And the reality is she was bleeding to death right under my nose. I also have been awoken in the middle of the night with uh, a phone call that my nine month old grandson had had a seizure and he was not expected to make it through the night. He was life flighted to primary children's hospital where um, they did emergency surgery to try to relieve the pressure from his brain, followed by a very delicate brain surgery where they went from the very top of his brain all the way through to the base, trying to preserve his life and to correct the problem. And they were successful in preserving his life. But unfortunately, he sustained brain damage through this ordeal. I also have another beautiful grandchild who was diagnosed with cancer at age 5 months. So we all have challenges and trials and struggles and we do the very best we can to be able to handle them and to move forward. But sometimes we don't handle it very well and we become overwhelmed. And when we're in that place, if we're not careful, we can slip or spiral into depression. And that is what happened with me. It was as if I had fallen into a deep, dark pit. And, and it was so deep. It felt like sunlight and hope and happiness could not reach me. And there were no windows and there were no doors in this dark place. And I did not see any way out. I thought, well, this is my new reality. This is as good as it gets from now on. This is where I live and there's no other way. And I stayed in that place for about five years. Um, But almost no one knew, because I was very, very good at masking. I had a smile on the smile didn't reach my eyes, but I could put it on my mouth. And most people had no idea what I was going through. Well, about Five years uh, down the road, my sister, who was training to become a life coach, she was uh, planning this women's retreat, and she would reserved this condo in the mountains, and she was going to invite a group of women and teach them how to be happy and live fulfilled and all that kind of happy stuff, and, and she had no idea what I was going through, but she invited me to come, and when I got her invitation, it made me sick. I thought, no way. There is absolutely no way that I could handle being around other people, strangers, day and night for three days. And besides, there is no point because nothing works. There is nothing that's going to help me. I am stuck. I'm trapped. This is my life. But even though I didn't want to go, the idea wouldn't leave my mind. And so I gathered my courage together and I went. And I am so glad that I did because that decision changed my life. It is as if my sister lowered a ladder down into my deep dark hole and she showed me a way to climb out. And it was very much a ladder. It wasn't an elevator. It wasn't a press of a button and you're all better. It took time. It took effort. And it was hard, but it worked. And I have learned from my experiences that healing is not like flipping on a light switch where it's instant. It's more like a sunrise where the changes from moment to moment might be imperceptible, but it does come and it's beautiful. I also learned that the feelings that I have had of feeling broken, of feeling crushed, they're actually quite common. Even among people who look like they have it all together, because they might be masking and hiding just the same way that I was. And I've written a book about my experience. This is called Crushed, A Journey Through Depression. And I have received letters from so many readers who've said, Wow, it felt like you were in my head. It felt like this was my story. I'm reading about myself. And it's interesting because they're not just people struggling with depression or anxiety. All kinds of people dealing with all kinds of different issues. Because even though our life experiences are very different, the feelings and the emotions that we have are actually very similar and relatable. And that is what Crushed is all about. This is me making myself vulnerable and open so that I can help someone else. Because I want to be someone who offers a ladder to anyone who feels trapped in a dark place. <laughs> Thank you, Max.
0: <laughs> and I, I really wasn't wasn't hoping for you to laugh, but I also wasn't expecting that you would do the whole the whole story. And I, I like to say that. You know you're in the presence of a great storyteller when they can tell you a story you already have heard or that you already think you know the the ending to, and they still keep you interested. So I have already heard your story, girl, and I was still sitting here thinking to myself, Max, please don't move. Please don't sneeze because this is brilliant, and you do not want to break the spell that's going on here. So i uh, really honored that you that you did the whole thing. And oh, by the way, anybody who says that you are bad at telling your story, they're just in too big a hurry. Uh, and, and you know this, there are podcast hosts and radio hosts who are just so focused on the clock and they're so committed to 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes that giving somebody the time and space to tell an important story just isn't in their mindset. They just can't see it.
1: That's true. Well, thank you for your patience and for listening to it again. You know, right, the past is the past, but I can change my future, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You certainly can. So we're all very happy to see that you were, were able to do, to do this and that now not only with your book, but also with your website and with courses, you're uh, doing your best, best to be that ladder to other people. So, uh, how difficult was it to write this book? Um, I know that this, I know a lot of people will will think it's easy to write a book where it's where you're basically telling your story but since you have probably had to relive some of that stuff, how difficult was it to write the book and were you and when you were writing it what, what were you thinking about as far as expectations for the end of, results of it?
1: Excellent question. So as I was just starting in this process of healing from going to this dark place to climbing up this ladder, I felt this inspiration very strong of you need to write this down. And I thought, okay, no problem. So the actual writing wasn't super hard because I did not envision it turning into a book. I was just writing what was going on. The hard part was after I got to a much better place, not 100%, but huge improvement, where another inspiration came and said, okay, now put this into a book and share it so that other people can heal. And I thought, heck no, no way, because <laughs> it's, it is is not cute, fluffy fiction. It is hard. It is real. It is raw. It is messy. And it doesn't show me in an awesome light. It shows me as a mortal, fallible human who had a really hard time and wanted to give up a lot. And, you know, just things that if you're in a healthy, good place seem so easy. And when you're in a not good place are excruciatingly painful. So yeah, it was actually harder allowing someone else to read it than it was to write it.
0: You know, I've, I've written a, a couple of books myself and I generally do the same thing. I generally write it while it was happening or I try to put myself in that place and write it as if it's happening now, which is why I end up with a lot of problems with my noun and verb tenses not agreeing and drive my editor nuts because of constantly going back and forth in time. Uh, <laughs> But I find the harder part isn't the, for me, and it's kind of the same thing. The hard part isn't the writing. The hard part is the editing where you have to go through it with somebody else who didn't live through it and answer questions about, well, why did you write this? And why, what were you feeling at the time? And, and could you express that more clearly? Cause I'm not sure you're going deep enough kind of stuff.
1: Mm, yeah. One advantage of writing when you're in it is man, you feel deeply. And that that deep feeling actually comes through in the writing. In fact, if I tried to write it now, I I couldn't. It wouldn't have the same power because I don't feel that way anymore. I feel great. I feel fantastic. And it's hard to remember how horrible it was. But man, when you're in it, that was the moment to capture it.
0: Right. Now, at this point, do you ever have days where you... Where you, where you start to feel overwhelmed again, where you start to be dragged out of this good place that you're in now.
1: Excellent question. And you know, wouldn't it be lovely if life was like this, where we had, you know, maybe a movie type, type situation where there's that one climax and then you you win the battle and then you have this lovely denouement and we live happily ever after and right off into the sunset. And real life doesn't work that way at all. And we still have really hard things that happen and struggles. And this past year has been very, very challenging. One of my beautiful daughters has a, a, a brain tumor and um, she has gone through, a, it's, it's been rough, it's been rough and uh, we're not, we're not out of the woods yet, um, but there was a, a, a period of, of say a week where she had surgery and she has had complications and I watched her in excruciating pain and I couldn't fix it. I couldn't make it all better. There was nothing that I could do. And it hurt so bad. And uh, it turned out in addition to some of the complications, she was leaking spinal fluid and her brain was, you know, not supported in the fluid like it should have been. It was resting and she was in so much pain and she could have died. I almost lost her three times in a month. Um, So I have gone through hard things, and I have had hard days, but I am not worried about sinking in that spiral hole again, because I do maintenance to keep myself in a good place, and I think that's part of the the skill set that I try to help people learn through um, my books, and also through the, the the charity, the nonprofit Hope for Healing, is if we can we can come out of that hole and be in a good place. And if we can maintain uh, not just a a mediocre place, but a good place, then when those trials, when those challenges, when those things happen, we're more resilient and we're able to bounce back. So I'm not going to say that I don't have bad days or maybe bad weeks, but but things get better and things are going to be okay. Even if I don't know what okay is going to look like.
0: I had a, I had another question I wanted to ask, but now I just can't help but follow up on, on you saying not knowing what okay is going to look like. I personally believe that one of the, uh, one of the, the real traps people get themselves into is their idea of what okay is is based on other people's idea of what okay is or what successful is or what happy is. So when you decide what is okay for, for Linda, is that part of it?
1: Is that part of me deciding what is yeah, okay? So,
0: I mean, when when Linda is thinking, well, Linda is going to be okay, even though Linda still has trials and struggles, is part of that knowing that, uh, it's, that you get to decide what okay is? Mm-hmm. That-
1: Interesting. Do I decide what okay is? I guess... When I say that I'm going to be okay, even if I don't know what okay looks like, is a lot of times when we have uh what we want, like I want this outcome, I want this thing to happen, I want this thing to tap place, and then it, it doesn't turn out the way we want, it, you know, it doesn't turn out the way we want, and then we think, well, it didn't turn out the way we want, so life is over at the end, we're done. And what I feel like with I am going to be okay, and it's okay, even if I don't know what okay looks like, is if something doesn't turn out the way that I hoped, then I can adapt, I can change, I can roll with it and it's going to be okay. And isn't this something that you have so much experience with in your life where you knew, I mean, I'm going to do carnivals and I am going to do this forever. And this is the way my life is going to look. And then things changed where your vision is failing and you lost your father. And now uh, you're not in the carnival business anymore. It didn't turn out the way that you expected. And yet... Is it okay?
0: Yeah, it's okay, and and that's not even the latest moment in my life where it didn't turn out the way I expected.
1: What that, that you one's actually from one time where things didn't turn out. as <laughs> expected? <laughs> I thought on that a, was one on for a, lifetime on a
0: high level too. On a, like you know on a on a, in, a, in an area that was important. You know, not just not just they got my sandwich order wrong kind of a situation. You know. <laughs> um, no, yes, I um, when I when I started the blind blogger website six years ago, I thought that I was going to be someone who would help people uh, overcome their uh, their set their their obstacles as far as a coach on people accomplishing their goals that sort of thing, and it turned out that very few people wanted that from me. They're happy to get it from me. Uh, spontaneously by watching my progress and listening to my podcast and reading my blog, that sort of stuff. But it turned out what people wanted is they wanted, they wanted me to help them promote their work the way I promote my work. And so I had to go, okay, once again, this wasn't what you expected, but the outcome that did occur is not, is not horrible because it, it does leave the possibility of, of success just in yet another different direction.
1: So, right. Yeah. So, Some of what the are, that we think are failures are actually that the building blocks of success. It just kind of helps change the direction into the space where it's going to be a, a, a better fit for your talents and other people's needs.
0: Right. Or as I like to say, uh the, the worst thing that mistakes aren't the worst thing that can happen. Being afraid to make them is the worst thing that can happen. Ooh. Words of wisdom from Max. Now you've got me question. Um, <laughs> but trying to get back to where I was going to go, I'll, I tell podcasts this all this time, look, if, if your guest answers a better question than you ask, just let them roll with it, okay? Uh, that happens to me quite often. So uh, is there one or two of these techniques you can share with people to help keep you from falling back into that uh, that spiral when something doesn't go the way you had expected it would?
1: Oh, I'm so glad you asked that because I would love to share that. I have some suggestions for something that we can do each morning that takes five to six minutes that can help put you in a fabulous place. So that if something happens, not as expected, it's still going to be okay. And it has to do with movement. And music and it has to do with words and water. So these things as we put them together, and I'll explain just briefly what to do, and then I'll explain why, and then sum back up. So the first thing with music and movement is if you just have one song playing, so that is your, your time limit, and move either dancing or shadow boxing. Or yoga, or stretching, or you can do just other kinds of exercises: sit-ups, push-ups, that sort of thing, jumping jacks. And then just do that for one song, and then write down in a gratitude journal five things that you're grateful for, and then drink a glass of water. Super, super easy. M M W W. So M
0: M M M W W. Music, movement,
1: words, mm-hmm. and
0: water. Words and water. Okay. Yeah. Music, movement, words and water, y'all. Well, you know, I sometimes don't catch on quite quickly enough, so I wanted to, <laughs> wanted to make sure I had it straight. Do I get, do I get, do I get double points if, if I sing instead of, instead of move while I'm listening to somebody else else's I music? I
1: am so glad you mentioned that, because I'm going to suggest that as one of the options. So I'll go through movement real quickly and then I'll All start right. over to the music and then that option to be able to sing instead of to dance because that works really well. So movement, if we move our bodies, it helps us to increase our energy. It helps to, uh, if we're feeling like we're struggling, our, our energy is low, moving, even though it seems counterintuitive when you think you should be resting, it's moving that helps us to be able to pop that energy back up and it also helps to relax our muscle tension it helps to reduce the levels of cortisol in our bodies it helps to increase the amount of endorphins in our brains they help us to feel good and it does just amazing things to help release uh, relieve stress now music is one of the most powerful tools that's out there to be able to affect our mood and they've done fmri scans and music stimulates more parts of the brain than anything else that we can do and
0: wow i did not know that
1: isn't that cool our brain waves actually synchronize somewhat to the beat of the music and so you can use that in different ways if you're feeling like stressed and ah listening to calming music can actually help literally help your brain waves to be able to calm down so that you can think better And if you're struggling with getting motivation, like I do not want to face today, listening to bouncy, positive, upbeat music, then that can literally help jumpstart our brain and put us into a better place. And music just does amazing things. And then your suggestion, because you're a singer, um, if you want to really boost the power of music, you sing along. And singing has been scientifically proven to do so many incredible things for our, our brains and for our bodies even. It helps relax muscle tension like exercise does. Isn't that crazy? And it also mm-hmm. helps to increase the endorphins and it helps to reduce the levels of cortisol, those stress hormones, And there have been lots of studies done on depression and anxiety and singing. And one of my absolute favorites is they took a group of people who are struggling with depression and anxiety. They had a control group. They said, you guys just keep doing what you're doing. Then they took another group and they said, all right, all we want is for you to sing a song every day. Just sing every day. 30 days later, came back and checked. The control group was exactly the same as they were before the group that had practiced the singing had significantly lower levels of depression and anxiety. And the only change that they made was singing a song every day. Now, scientists understand some of the reasons, but not everything. One of the things that they have found is that there is a tiny little organ in the inner ear called the sacculus that is stimulated when we sing i don't know if it's necessarily if we talk or whatever listen to music but when we sing it's stimulated and that sends an immediate boost of pleasure uh to to the brain when that is stimulated so it's amazing it's an incredible tool that can help change the way you feel in just a couple of minutes so movement and music either moving or singing along to the to the to the, to the, to the song and then the next thing is gratitude now, gratitude journals, a lot of people think, oh, isn't that nice for those soft little fluffy Pollyanna people who like to do <laughs> And But it's not for like real people who are dealing with real issues in life. But the research shows that it actually does incredible things. Uh, gratitude helps to uh, stimulate the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which helps us to be able to be more in the present. And it helps us to be able to, this is where our rational thought takes place. So it helps us so that our emotions don't hijack our ability to to choose and to think. And there's a part of the prefrontal cortex called the medial prefrontal cortex, which is the one spot in the brain where the emotional brain and the rational brain actually have a direct connection. And that is stimulated when we are in a attitude gratitude. So it helps us to be able to manage our emotions better. It also helps to uh, increase the elasticity of the of the brain. Which is absolutely necessary for any kind of healing, any kind of improvements in our, in our brains and in our, in our minds, any healing that requires that, uh, elasticity. So it does just these amazing, amazing things. So, uh, there was a study done again. It's one of my favorite studies where they took a people, a group of people who were struggling with severe depression and they said, okay, we just want you to write three things you're grateful for every day. And then 15 days later, they checked to see if it made any difference. And they found that in 94% of the participants, they had an improvement. They had gone from severely depressed to either moderately depressed or mildly depressed. So it did not magically solve all of their problems, but it helped them improve amazingly. And that was just a little more than two weeks. So putting these kinds of things together is magical. Now, the last thing that I mentioned was water. And drinking water is one of the the easiest, cheapest ways that we can help improve our our brains and our bodies, our mental and emotional health. Our brains are made of like 73% water. So if it is dehydrated, even as little as 1% percent, it causes real problems with the way that we feel with our mood and with our, um, I don't know, just the way we feel. And so being sufficiently hydrated is super, super important to help us be happy. So put all those things together. This is a powerful punch that you can do in five or six minutes because songs usually last three to four minutes. So that's why it's either five or six. And then, so you get up. You sing a song, if you're max, while you're listening to music and everyone else can either sing or move around. And then when you're done with that, grab your paper and your pen, write five things that you're grateful for, or type it on the computer, drink a bottle of water, go about your day. But if we do that small, simple daily morning routine, it changes the way that we show up. And there is a quote by Viktor Frankl where he said, between stimulus and response, there is a space in that space lies our power to choose our response in our response lies our growth and our happiness. So as we do these small, simple things in the morning, it puts us in a good place so that between stimulus and response, we can choose a response and act rather than reacting. And it changes everything.
0: Right. And just to follow that up, uh, for those who don't know who Victor Frankl is, uh, he survived a very long time in a Nazi concentration camp.
1: Yes, he did. So, if
0: there's a man who knows something about getting in that space between stimulus and response, he definitely was in a position to, to to know what he was talking about. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, just a couple of things that that occurred to me during this during this uh, technique that you were sharing with us, and so, thank you so much for your generosity, because it, it does often turn out so that very small things like that can have a big impact on our our days and our lives. So two things occur to me. One is that I'm always singing, so I have to wonder what my mental health would be like if I stopped singing. <laughs> Don't <laughs> because, stop. <laughs> no, I'm not planning on it, but you know, there have been times in the last couple of years where I was singing while making coffee or, uh, singing while waiting on a, on a, on a ride where some of the other people were not as enthused by my singing as I was. So, uh, wait, but, but it is. <laughs> I'm I just sitting there thinking, you know, I'm actually singing all the time. Maybe that's why you are so much better at finding uh, the positive and not, you know, get dragged down like that. And then the other thing I was thinking about, you mentioned that a lot of people think about the whole idea of gratitude as being, you know, woo woo for uh, not for not for real people. And, uh, but the, the one thing I've noticed is the people that have gratitude exercises, they generally are more successful in accomplishing their goals, whatever their goals happen to be, to the point that I like to encourage people who believe in vision boards. I like to tell them, you know, that vision board would be a lot more effective if you had a gratitude border.
1: Ooh, I like that. Yes, I have heard that with a lot of people who teach about manifestation, that if you want good things to come into your life, then you start by being grateful for what you have.
0: So I tell them, you know, besides the pictures of stuff you want, you need to have pictures and, and quotes of stuff you've already got. And, uh, well, I tell you, I'm really honored that you've taken the extra time to sit down with me and, and share some of your experiences. Uh, I, I did mean it sincerely. Anybody who uh, is not uh, enthralled by your story and the way you tell it is just in too big a hurry. And they need to, you know, maybe put some extra blank time in their schedule because it's, it's, it just, it just changed. I, I'll tell you what I was thinking of. This is, this is no BS. I listen to most of my audio books being recorded by the national library of services for the blind. And over the last 10 years, they've had a woman there named Mary Hartland Bargolin. She's almost, almost every year she's voted as the best woman reader that we have. And, the way you talk, the way you modulate your voice when you're telling your story, it's just magical, it really is, and I tell you if if I were a publisher with an author who needed somebody to record an audiobook, I'd be thinking, dang, I got to get Linda <laughs> thank you in, yeah in in all honesty and i and I think that I'm in a position to comment because like I said, I get probably eighty percent of my Probably 80% of my library comes into me for, through audio. So, but I love the way you tell your story. I love how honest you are. Um, which if, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask that as my last question before we wrap up today. Do you ever run across anybody who is critical of you because you're too open and too authentic and too, too out there with your personal story?
1: Yes, yes, I have. I have been, uh, criticized and by people who are very, very close to me and it hurts. And I, I allowed it to hurt me and I thought, oh, dang, I guess I shouldn't share my story. I guess I shouldn't, you know, maybe I should just crawl back into my hole and, you know, do my own thing. And, and then I have decided, you know what? It's okay that it's not accepted by everyone because I guess nobody's story is for everyone, but it is for a lot of people who need it. And I would be uh, foolish if I allowed those voices who say, you know, no, you just need to be quiet and, you know, let the professionals take care of it. The people who know what they're doing um, and say, no, my story matters too because it's helping people. And that's what I'm about. Right. I, I
0: ask because more than once I have had somebody tell me, you know, Max, I know your brand is authenticity, but could you maybe be a little less authentic? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and there's, and there are occasionally people who come up to me who still don't believe this is really who I am, that you know i've just found some sort of way to tell these stories um you know more openly than than the next person that i that i'm doing it for effect rather than because it's just the way i enjoy doing it
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah critics exist don't they
0: yes yes they do.
1: so i think what we should do is is not do anything until all the critics stop right <laughs> Uh, I don't
0: know what to tell you about critics other than I generally, uh, I've, there's, I think there's one person who I would consider a critic that I'm still in contact with. And that was because after what was considered a, a gentle, positive, a incur- bit of encouragement, um, it never came up again. So, uh, and plus that person had a lot of really good advice that I did enjoy. So it was like, you know, why, you know, just, you know, why, uh, why ignore the value that does work for me just because of the one bit of value that I, that I didn't agree with? So that, but for the most part, I think that's what I do is just ignore those people. It's, uh, it's, I've had a lot less criticism as the blind blogger than I did as, the, or that I still do on the Midland Marketplace because there are people over there who don't think that I should be running a business that requires having to review media in the form of photos and videos but mm. that's their problem so and the other thing is is the carnival folks don't like you to be very honest they're they can ten, they tend to want to keep everything really close to their vest so they don't respond well to somebody that's as open as i am or as open as you are so uh i do hope people will visit your websites at uh, lindascornerpodcast.com and hope. For healingfoundation.org and just one more thing i was impressed with you is how much of the content on your website is free i mean because it seems like there's just so much pressure to monetize to scale to funnel and you're continuing to be the person that you've become through your own journey so is there one last thing you'd like to share with uh, the listeners
1: before we call it a day I would just like to share for anyone who's ever struggled with the things that I have that you're not alone and that there really is hope for healing and there is a beautiful, beautiful sunrise ahead. You just have to grab it.
0: Well, thank you so much, Linda. I really appreciate you taking the time to to come on. What's your excuse?
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Okay. Uh, I just want to thank y'all for listening yet, yet again. Without self-support, I couldn't continue to do this. And let's just think about some of the things we learned from from Linda that many people are struggling, but we don't know it because they're good at masking, that she shared this wonderful MMWW with us to try to get each day off to a good start and avoid spiraling down to the dark place, and that when she did get help, it wasn't an elevator, it wasn't a hoist, it wasn't a catapult, catapult. It was a ladder. So even with help, she still had to climb. All right, I hope y'all will visit my website, theblindblogger.net, and the podcast network, What's Your Excuse at wyexcuse.com. And please do check out the sponsor, blueberry.com, because without them, half the time, the website would probably be offline. Y'all have no idea how much technical support they're giving me. In, or, in order to uh, be part of the uh, the wonderful ideal that we have for the network, which is by bringing together people with disabilities who want to start or grow podcasts, that we can create a community that can help a lot more people by uh, by growing those audiences, bringing more awareness to their work. Okay, so thank you again. Take care now. Too many times we stand aside And let the water slip away what we put off to tomorrow has finally come today. So don't stand upon the shoreline and say you're satisfied. But choose to chance the rapids and dare to dance the tide.